Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. And I'm Imran. We are recording on Monday. It's a bit of a weird time of year. We're on this kind of winter break kind of thing after the crazy Christmas period, not having that many matches in January. Um, Since last time we recorded, we have played Wigan and gone through in the Cup. We have played Tottenham in the Premier League, so we will be touching on those matches. There's a lot of kind of things going on with the ownership situation. The transfer window is open, uh, although it's more about outgoings than incomings at the moment. A few other things going on, like AFCON, uh, the Women's Super League has kicked off again. And yeah, we will, of course, have a look at the matches coming up ahead. But yeah, Imran, let's see. I mean, like I said, there has been two matches since last we've recorded. Uh, it, it is weird, this winter break. You know, we've gone this weekend without a match. It was kind of nice, though, maybe to have a weekend without United ruining your weekend. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't mind. You don't mind it when we're, we're not the, the highlight of your weekend anymore. Um, yeah, two games, both kind of a bit meh, really, I would say, would be for different reasons. Uh, obviously, the wing game had more positives than the Spurs. Um, but yeah, uh, the wing game feel like ages ago, though. Spurs doesn't feel like that long ago, but yeah, Wigan feels like ages ago. Yeah, I mean, Spurs actually was only just last weekend, whereas, yeah, Wigan was even a week before that. Uh, but yeah, it was still good, of course, to actually get a win. It is the last trophy that we have any chance of winning this season. Um and yeah, no, I would still at least make it a decent season after the terrible way it's gone so far. Um, after, you know, a crazy run of home draws, we're finally getting a couple of so-called easier draws on paper. So yeah, we went away to Wigan. I mean, the only the only, the only only thing I remember from that Wigan game was actually just how crazily weak our squad and bench was that day. I think we were actually r- absolutely ravaged by illness. Um, and we were already, of course, had all the injuries. And I was kind of looking back at it, and I think there was even a thread made on Red, Red Cafe saying, is this like the weakest bench we've ever had? I know he was filling in spots uh, with the likes of Ryan Bennett, who's one of our youth team defenders, Shola, Shora Tire, um, Joe Hugill, two goalies, which I'd never ever understand. But yeah, Heaton and Bayendir were both on the bench there. But look, at least we did get a win. A uh, good goal from Diogo Dallo. And then, yeah, it was the Bruno penalty that kind of sealed it all. 
So, yeah, we have rolled on in the cup, and our next game is Newport County away, who we've never, ever played in our history. Uh, for any of our international kind of people, Newport is actually in Wales. So, yeah, it's, this is our <coughs> Euro away. It's a Euro away, this. Um, yeah, I mean, it's always, that's kind of what you want in the FA Cup, a bit a fun, a fun away draw. Um, Eastleigh would have been good as well. Uh, I think I applied, we applied... I uh, didn't get it. Like it would have been great to be like one of those nine hundred people down in one of them places, but didn't get tickets unfortunately. But yeah, uh, that's kind of what you want from the FA Cup. Fun. I mean, all the home draws good for pro- good for pro- progression, I guess, but not on the fun scale of things. But yeah, nice fun away draw in the FA Cup. Looking forward to going down there. Um, and I, you'd imagine we'd win, but you know, probably won't have it all our own way for a bit. And you can see with uh, when I think was it was it West Ham when I mean, obviously Bristol is a bit of a different. Kettlefish there in the championship, but Bristol really roughed West Ham up, and you can kind of see that sort of thing happening potentially when we go to a League Two side. But we'll see. Uh, the, the my main takeaway from the Wigan game was how wasteful we were. Um, McTominay and Hoyland combined to miss a whole load of chances. Um, so on the one hand, it was good that we were creating. On the other hand, I thought we were like in general, it was a very underwhelming comfortable. We were very comfortable all the time, so you can't say it was a bad performance because we were comfortable the whole time. And it never looked like we were going to lose or anything, but it was a, quite an underwhelming performance as well. In terms of the finishing, the, the 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 style of football, it just yeah, it wasn't 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 anything to get excited about. But at the same time, we could have easily won four or five nil. Yeah, that is the thing. You can't really ever get excited about be beating a League One team. <clears throat> uh, it can only really be a negative day because if you win, then you're just like, well, yeah, you know, it's Wigan. Um, but oh, at least we did win. At least we got a couple of goals, kept a clean sheet. Although I do remember there was a bit of a worry early on. They had a chance early yeah, on. Yeah, they had the big chance. And Onana actually did make a decent save. Uh, I'd say one of his better saves of the season, actually. Uh, Onana. Yeah. So. Definitely, definitely. Um, so, yeah, look, we're through there. As I said, the next game is Newport. We'll have a little bit more chat about that at the end of the show when we look at the games coming up. But, yeah, the bigger game we had last weekend was Spurs. Uh, he'd had... Eric Ten Hag, you know, one of the big things that all the people who want him out, uh, which includes you now, right? I remember talking on the last podcast, is the terrible record we'd had against anyone. I think it was even like top nine or something. Uh, you know, normally you used to look at like top six, but I think we hadn't beaten anyone in like almost the top half of the table and had lost pretty much every one of those matches. So to actually, yeah, play Spurs, come out with a 2-2 draw, I guess we should kind of be happy with it. But again, I agree with you. Can't be, it's nothing to get excited about. And if we wanted to have a chance to be getting back into kind of the top four race, to be talking about Champions League places, then these were exactly the kind of games that we were needing to win. I mean, they are like six pointers for us because we're falling further and further behind. And some people already think we're out of that kind of Champions League spot races. I personally don't, but I'm always hanging on to any small possibilities we might have. But yeah, we come out 2-2 and I don't know, maybe maybe we had to be happy with that 2-2 from the way the game went. thought a draw was a fair result. Um, Tottenham probably were the slightly better side, but I kind of, Roy Keane said it at the end of the game as well, that people were going a bit overboard on Spurs and I totally agree. Like they, they were quite, they did, some pretty build-up play at times and um, beat our fairly poor press with ease a lot of the time. But ultimately, they didn't really create that many chances. Um, they created, obviously, the goals they scored from and they hit the bar, I think, from a corner. 
Um, but in the second half, they didn't really create anything apart from the goal. Um, whereas we could have won it with the last last kick of the game with McTominay heading over the bar and he really should have scored. Um, so we actually we could have come away with three points. So yeah, we weren't we weren't great. There was no real again an absence of style of football, and we just kind of looked second best a lot of the time. But I don't think Spurs did enough to win it at the same time either. So I think a two two or two two draw was probably a fair result. Yeah, I think it was pretty fair as well. Like you said, I thought a lot of people going overboard. I mean, one thing to be fair was Tottenham have been more affected by the AFCON and Asian Cup than we have because they're obviously missing the likes of Son, Bissouma, <coughs> Saar, who are kind of quite biggish players for them, especially Son, obviously. So for us to come against them at home at a time when they're kind of weaker than usual on paper and we still couldn't really win, that's the kind of disappointment, I guess. I mean, XG showed 0.9 for us, 1.3 for them, which I think is pretty reflective of the game. Uh, they had more chances than us, more shots, although I'd say our chances were almost as good as theirs really uh the, the one disappointment was obviously we were winning at twice in this game that's the kind of disappointing thing that uh, you, we can't hold on to it when we are and you know it's a rare thing as well to even get an early goal at old trafford i mean were, were you at this game yeah i was at that game yeah it was the earliest goal we scored all season isn't it uh in fact i think it's the first one of the first times we even scored in the first 20 minutes i think i think we've only i think it was only the everton game I believe. I'm just making that off the top of my head, so it might not be true, everybody. Well, but we, we scored... haven't scored many, that's for sure. Yeah, we haven't scored many early. So it was actually a good start from us, uh, a great finish from Hoyland as well. I feel like that's what he's kind of got to do now with he gets his chances, just bang it as hard as he can. Um, and I think both he, both his Premier League goals have been more instinctive than anything, than when he's got time, where I think he had a... Well, I caught, there were a couple of instinctive ones against Wigan to bear where the ball came to him quickly, but... Yeah, just keep if you just keep smashing it as hard as that, you'll get a few more goals. Um, so that was good to see. And it was a, I mean, it was a decent first five minutes from us, but then we kind of retreated again and we let Spurs get on top. Uh, the first one, who scored their first one? What was the first one? I can't remember now. Richarlison. Richarlison header from a corner. Yeah, and we, to be fair, we were defending their corners poorly all game. Uh, Pedro Porro was putting in some great balls. Fair enough, but our defending from corners is absolutely appalling. It's appalling, uh, and free kicks too, really. We just can't defend them at all. And it, it, it harks back to poor organisation because, um, I mean, in my mind, set pieces and corners are something you can practice. You can train them because they're a, they're a set thing. You can have your men. And, yeah, sometimes you'll get beat, like, in a, in a duel, someone will win a header. But when they're doing it every single time, the ball goes into the box, there's something wrong. Um, and it just, yeah, it's just it's poor. It's really poor. No, I mean, it's beyond embarrassing now, our kind of set-piece record. Uh, and not just the goals we're conceding, just how we never seem to make any chances ourselves from kind of corners and free kicks hardly nowadays. Uh, and as you say, it's something you can work on. It's something you can do in training. So, yeah, these are definite question marks against Eric Ten Hag and his team. I know we're supposed to have a specific set-piece coach. Uh, you know, we even had these kind of discussions back in Ole days, so it's not a new thing. It's been an issue for ages now and definitely hasn't been rectified. I mean, Ten Hag did speak about it himself kind of post-match, and he was kind of putting a lot of blame on the players, just saying, look, we need to be stronger. We need to be fighting better for these balls. And he's, he's squarely just saying, look, it's, it's down to the players. They're failing. They're not the ones who are battling and they're getting out for in these battles in the air, basically. I mean, there is also question marks again about Onana. I think uh, 
Roy Keane was saying, listen, if something's coming in your six-yard box, that has to be your goalkeepers. I mean, Onana hasn't been coming for balls at all. Like, he just basically, he loves his he loves his line. He loves his line more than De Gea, I think. He absolutely just stays rooted to it. I don't know whether that's a response to what happened in the first game of the season against Wolves or a, an instruction or what it is, but he, he will stay on his line and that's just the keeper we have. Um, I think actually that first one, to be, the Richardson one, to be fair, I don't know if he could have come and get, got that one. Um, what annoys me more on that one is I th- I'm pretty sure it's Manu who's marking Richarlison. At which point, why mm. is five foot seven Manu marking their striker? Like, I don't get that one. And Ten Hacker says it's on the players, but someone's organized that and said, Manu, you're on Richarlison. And that's, that's not great. And two, Dallow literally cleared her off the line a few minutes before that. Um, yeah, we'd had a warning. Yeah, we had a warning. Um, but we don't put people on the line. We have, someone moves back to the line, which is completely different to having a man on the post. Because if, if Dallow was on the post, he'd have cleared that. But he moves back onto the post, which, make, again, doesn't make any sense to me. Either put a man on the line so you can clear that. Or, like, well, I always think you should have a man on the line because the amount of things that go in the corner from a corner, put a man on the line and you can clear it. Dallow's on the line there, he clears it. But obviously that's not his job. His job is to move back onto the line, which makes no sense to me. So that's why it couldn't. That's why it kind of went past him and into the net. So yeah, those two things annoyed me on that goal. But yeah, just not great overall set piece defending. It's I'm not really laying, putting it on anyone. It's a whole team thing. We defend set pieces as a team. We just don't defend them very well at all. Yeah, I mean there is big question marks over zonal marking versus man to man. I mean I don't like the zonal system. I think all our problems are down to this zonal system. Like you say, you end up with mismatches because you haven't gone in training to talk about who's marking specific players. It's just players taking specific areas. And then, yeah, other teams take advantage of that. So, yeah, for me, I think this zonal system should have been abandoned a long time ago. But, yeah, we're not the only team that does it, and it does seem to be kind of in fashion nowadays. But, yeah, you know, back in the day, you decided, you know, who was marking who, and your big centre-back would take the striker and that kind of thing. But nowadays, yeah, we often end up with these mismatches and... uh yeah, again, we're conceding goals from them. But yeah, look, we did go two up before half time. As I said, to get two goals in the first half at Old Trafford this year, this season, has been a rare thing. Uh, so yeah, you know, it was a, a what you you must have been pretty happy by half time, even if it wasn't necessarily on the performance, but definitely by the score. Yeah, I was happy at half time, obviously winning, but. And it, we could have had, there was another chance as well, straight after that, Rashford, um, someone passed the ball along to Rashford, who took a poor first touch and then took himself away from goal. He had a better first touch and shot first time, it would have been a better chance. Um, but we kind of knew at halftime we needed to score a third to win the game. Uh, that's kind of what it felt like, and so it proved to be. But it was a good finish from Rashford, it was a good goal. Um, nice little movement between Rashford and Hoyland, who are linking up a bit better now, it seems. Um, Rashford's a... F- it's funny with Rashford. Like he's obviously out, been out of form all the season, but his finishing actually, his fairly, it doesn't feel like his confidence affects his finishing. It feels like his confidence affects his dribbling, and it's his dribbling that's really letting him down. Whereas actually, his finishing, put it in the corner, no problem. He, he had that one against uh, what game did we lose? Forest. We put that one in the corner as well. You're thinking that was an excellent finish, just very cool. It didn't look like a man who was out of form at all. So I actually don't think his finishing is a problem. It's just his dribbling and his decision making that's letting him down because that's where you can tell he's out of form. He actually put his actual shootings not that he I can't really off the top of my recall any big sitters that he's been missing. And generally when he does shoot, he just hit the target. Um so it's yeah, I can see him 
I'm still. That's why I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure because of the goals that he, whether his form is being picking up. I mean, it has a little bit. Um, he was a bit dangerous against Spurs. It was still that Villa game where he looked the most dangerous. But I'm still not sure he's fully back. But his finishing is is been all right. I think his form has definitely picked up in the last month or so. As you say, there was the Villa game, the Forest, Spurs. Uh, he's had a few, couple of goals, couple of assists. I mean, it's definitely picked up because it was absolutely awful. Yeah, well, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure it's anywhere near next season, last season. Oh, no, no, no. He's nowhere near back to that. Oh, no, no, he's not back to that yet. And he was missing chances earlier in the season. I mean, I was a bit surprised because I wrote something basically on Twitter saying, you know, Marcus Rashford is looking a bit better and people were going crazy about this. So, no, no, he's still awful. It's... Just still, and I was a bit surprised by how much flack he's still getting because I think he's had a pretty good month. Uh, as I say, it's all relative. Talking about a pretty good month after having an absolutely awful first whatever four months of the season, but yeah, he's definitely playing better. He's there is still an issue on decision making where you know sometimes he can be frustrating where he'll keep hold of the ball too long or he won't go for the right option. But yeah, you can't argue with these couple of goals he's had. There is a bit of link up now, as you say, with Hoyland. It was even earlier in the season, actually. I still remember him setting up Hoyland for his like first goal. I think it was Champions League game, and he hmm. come in with a cross from the right side, Hoyland headed it in. Um, so those two have had some decent link up. And I remember we'd had uh, Anders from Denmark on, and he'd said that Hoyland had done some kind of interview in Denmark, and had said that, yeah, Myself and Matt Marcus are working a lot in training to try and get on the same wavelength. But, you know, it's going to take a bit of time, but it's something we work on a lot. So, yeah, I do think that those two in particular can make a kind of partnership. Uh, and, yeah, we were worried about Hoyland's form as well. Uh, same Anders, I know on the last pod when he came on, he said he was really worried because he thought when he'd first come into the team, he was looking pretty good. He had those Champions League goals and then he was looking a bit lost. He was barely getting the ball. He wasn't even missing chances. He just wasn't getting any chances at all. So for him to get himself back on the score sheet, uh, you know, that winner against Villa. So, yeah, the two of these managing now to get some goals is a big, big positive, uh, you know, for going into the kind of second half of the season. And yeah, we're going to be absolutely needing that because, yeah, our biggest issue has been just lack of goals, lack of chances. So as I say, yeah, for me, these are the positives coming from this kind of last period has been Hoyland, has been Rashford, who at least now getting some link-up play between them, at least getting some goals. You know, they're still nowhere near where we need them to be, but at least it's a step in the right direction. I actually think the bigger positive for Oh, is actually Gadacho on the right. I think that's the biggest positive of our front three. I think Gadacho has been very good on the right. He's got two excellent feet, which helps. Um, and I'm happy with Gadacho, Hoyland, and Rashford being our front three for the rest of the season. Really, I mean, we don't have many options behind beyond that. True, I guess Diallo, if he you know can come in, can be an understudy on that right hand side as well. You can't expect Gadacho to play all the time. He's still a youngster, but. I mean, yeah, I, we, we, I think we, we all said we'd like to see a striker come in to help Hoyland, but maybe that won't happen. Doesn't look like it's going to happen. But um, as a front three, I think it's, it's, it's decent. You know, it's, I don't think it's going to win your, win your league titles at the moment, but it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's decent enough, I think. Well, I think we're, we're not talking about winning league titles at the moment. If we can even get back into a Champions League race at the moment, I guess we're going to be relatively happy. Uh, do you think we still have any chance of uh, top four, top five, or have you kind of written it off already? No. I know some fans have written it off. I mean, look, we're at the moment, we are 
After this Spurs game, we're eight points off Spurs in fifth, which might be a Champions League place. We are 11 points off fourth place for Villa, which is, yeah, a mm. long way. Uh, so, you know, it's not dead, but there is definitely a much bigger gap there already than you'd want there to be. Yeah, I just, I just don't see it in our... I just don't think we're competent enough to put a run together because we need, we need to have some sort of run. And ultimately, we're too flaky. Um, we'll win one game, lose the next. That's why I also don't think Ten Hag will get sacked. Like I said last time, we're not going to go on a... I don't think we'll go on a terrible run at any point, but I just don't think we'll go on a very good run at any point. It'll just be win-loss, win-draw, win-draw-loss kind of thing. And I think it will go that way to the rest of the season. So I don't think we'll build up enough momentum to actually get up up the league table. I think we'll just kind of stay where we are because I think our form's too inconsistent and our play's too inconsistent. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that once we get back players from injury, that we can start putting together a bit of a more solid run of results, solid form. Uh, That was the other plus that Martinez came back in from the bench. Casemiro was Mm -hmm. also on the bench, even though he didn't come in. So yeah, these are big positives, but can't get too excited about them yet because we've seen these players come back and then get injured again two weeks later. So yeah, we have to see how that goes on. But as I say, our crazy kind of injury illness run is not coming to an end. You know, we almost had our weakest squad out of the whole season against Wigan and it wasn't out of choice. It wasn't like he was rotating out of choice. It was just all we lit. We were down to the bare bones. And, uh, you know, I think six academy players were on the bench over there. Uh, So yeah, that is the bit of the worry. Um, Let's take a quick break there and then yeah we'll come back and talk about what's happening around ownership issues and transfer window and etc i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back for part two of the podcast. So, yeah, as I said, in that kind of top four race, we are falling behind now. I think we're not totally dead. We will have to put a big runner forward to get back into it. We will have to win against the teams above us. Um, as, yeah, a lot is coming down to the kind of injury side of it. I mean, the transfer window is open at the moment, but most of our activity at the moment is players going out. I mean, I'm slightly worried about this because, as I say, you look at the bench versus Wigan that day. And there's even two or three who came in that day who've already left the club. I mean, they're not players that we're particularly relying on. They're not players that I'm that worried about losing. But I just say, as in terms of bodies, I'm worried about how many players we've got left. I mean, since the window opened, Reguillon went back to Spurs. And I saw he's actually re-gone on loan again to uh, Brentford. Uh, Sancho has gone. 
he made his debut, got an assist, which is more than he'd offered for us already this season. I mean, for me, I'm writing him off. I hope he doesn't come back to the club. I hope he does well so that we can get rid of him. The worst thing is him going on loan, not doing well, and then we're just stuck with him again. So I mm. hope he actually has a good loan and that somebody might offer us at least half our money back or something. I'll, I'll take at this point. Uh, Van der Beek has gone to Antwerp Frankfurt. Hannibal is now at Sevilla. He made his debut off the bench, I think, yesterday and got a yellow card within about literally 60 seconds. And that is Hannibal all over. That is exactly Hannibal's problems and I think is the reason he didn't get more chances while he was here. You know, we have mentioned him a couple of times and those few cameos he had, I kind of thought he looked good. You know, somebody who works his absolute bollocks off and it's something we sometimes lack in this team. You know, he definitely has all that effort and does also have the skills as well. But he's always a yellow card. He's always getting a yellow card. So then he always becomes like a red card risk. Uh, so, yeah, mm-hmm. let's see how he does over there at Sevilla. Alvaro Fernandez has gone out to Benfica um, from Granada. I, I, was, I actually thought he might come back to us because, you know, when Reguilón went, I think we're looking pretty low on numbers again in defence and especially full-back areas. Uh, Luke Shaw was supposed to be back for this Tottenham game, but again, was out with some unspecified injury illness, uh, you know, not new news. Uh, we still not seen any sign of Malassia. Um, and then, yeah, so I, I, I thought when Reguillon went, we might have recalled somebody like Alvaro Fernandez. But no, he's gone out to Benfica. I think there is, yeah, there are officially it's on loan, Hannibal and Fernandez, but there is buy clauses in there. I was actually pretty surprised at how low the buy clauses are, though. Um, Hannibal Seymour, right, around like 20 million. But Alvaro Fernandez apparently is going to be available for like five or six million, uh, which for like a Spanish under 21 for me is a bit weird. But I know there is other clauses with like buybacks, uh, potential sell-on clauses. And I think that looks to be the way the club are dealing with these things nowadays. But there's obviously been a big shift in the whole way we deal with like our youth and fringe players, because there's been an absolutely massive clear out of young players since this summer. There's a, like at least 10 have left us since the summer. And I think the club are looking at that now. I think they're saying, look, we've got too many players. The wage bill is too high. And they're just, yeah, having a mass clear out. Yeah. I've I, I, long said I'm happy selling youngsters. Get them all out. Unless they're showing something incredible, then just get them out the door. Get some money in for them. It's what Liverpool and City do, and I think is what we need, will start doing as well. And we have started doing it. Probably just need to get bigger fees than what we're getting, and they're not being loans. But yeah, get them out of the door. Um, if they show promise, like Manu, obviously, they, then they'll show promise, and they're very obvious. Um, but the fringe ones, they won't really amount to anything anyway. Like Hannibal, I do like Hannibal. I think he's, you know, works hard. He's decent enough, but he's not really gonna be a United quality player. I don't think. So yeah, fine, get him out. And we got twenty million for him. I'd be pretty happy with that. Um, yeah, the, the bodies number, the bodies do concern me, I guess, because ultimately with Van der Beek, Reguillon and Hannibal, you are talking about at least two of those people were on the bench pretty much every game for the first half of the season. At least two of those three, sometimes all three, but at least two of those three were on the bench. Um, I guess we're putting faith in the fact that everyone's going to return from injury and be fine, which maybe they will be, like Malassia needs to come back. I mean, I won't rely on Shaw's fitness, but yeah, he's going to come back. The centre-backs will hopefully all be fit soon. Ahmad will be back. There's Palestri still, but he might go out apparently. So, you know, it, I guess we're just relying on the fact that people will be fit. Um, and if they are, then, then then fine. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's a big gamble on relying on these players come back because we've seen players like uh, Casemiro and Martinez come back in but then get injured again. And we know Luke Shaw is constantly in this kind of cycle. Uh, Ahmad as well came back and then all of a sudden has been out for a couple of weeks. Apparently it's illness. And apparently there has been four, five, Mm. six, maybe even seven players who have been hit by this kind of, some kind of illness bug going around. And yeah, I'm not that surprised because I've had at least two bouts of illness in this kind of December, Jan period. And most people I know around Manchester have, Uh, it's just that kind of time of year. And we're not the only club either. I did see some people saying, how come we're the only club who are getting these illnesses? But I think you just see it more at your club. Uh, I think somebody then, did then post in the thread saying that uh, Man City had also had at least five players out with illness over the past month. So, yeah, it's not just us getting hit by this. It is just the seasonal thing, whether it's COVID, flu, whatever. I don't know, all the same thing nowadays, isn't it? Hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I still think it is a gamble, though. Clear. I'd, I'd kind of understand why we're clearing out these players. We're not in Europe anymore. We're already out of the League Cup. So it is only Premier League. It is only FA Cup. So yeah, maybe there isn't yeah. going to be that much chances for all these to play. But it is it is a gamble on players. I think it's a, I think it's injury. a fairly low gamble. Um, I think it's a low gamble. You, 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 we have the ultimately we have a big squad if everyone's fit, and you can't we, we we rely on them being fit, and you have to prepare for them being fit. I guess so. I, I get it. Um, the only one that's for me out of those is really Hannibal. Hannibal actually did get some minutes and probably deserved more minutes. Um, but other than that, I think it's fine. People will come back, etc. So it's, it's not too big. And like you said, we're only competing on two fronts now. One front, really, the FA Cup. I don't even think we're competing that much in the league anymore. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it pans out. But I'll be ready with my uh, I told you so if mm. once our injury issues don't recover uh i did read an article as well that apparently you know eric ten Hag is just totally bemused by our constant injury issues and apparently the club have uh put spending quite a bit of money on a whole like report and investigations into why is this happening why have we got worse injuries than anybody and we have we've got worst the worst injury record of anybody this season nobody has missed this many players for this many matches uh, so don't know if we're just unlucky or is it if there is some underlying kind of problem over there and yeah let's see if there's something that they will sort out i mean <clears throat> that kind of thing of course does lead us to the whole ownership issue and how things are changing a lot in the background uh, you know on the last podcast of course we said it was confirmed just before christmas that surgeon ratcliffe and ineos are coming in uh, it's still not actually official he said he expects this to happen around mid-February. Uh, I think this should just be hopefully a formality. But he's kind of acting as if he's already in there. He's already been at the club. He's meeting people. He's given speeches to the staff. And from the bits and bobs you hear, you know, he's saying all the right things. Everybody's quite excited that this is going to be a big change. I mean, I'm I'm kind of hopeful. I'm hopeful that things are going to move around, but I'm still obviously going to reserve judgment till we see what actually happens. Uh, I still worry about the fact that the Glazers are still the majority owners and ultimately do still have the final say in anything. But, you know, we're told that Ineos are getting control over the footballing side. And the first move we see is that they've announced the new CEO. And it's quite a big, quite a big move, quite a big name. Um, I mean, I say a big name. I have to be honest and say I did had not heard of him before he was announced as our new CEO. But to bring in somebody from City and when you go and read about his CV and his history, 
it does seem like quite a big coup. Uh, and I don't know if they've specifically gone after a city man just to make that kind of statement. Uh, you know, Ratcliffe talks about being a Manchester boy, about linking back to Manchester. Uh, and, you know, City did this. When they first started getting money, they specifically came and targeted Carlos Tevez. They wanted to do that. They wanted to make that kind of statement. So I don't know if this is Sir Jim Ratcliffe trying to do the same thing back, saying, listen, we are still the big boys in Manchester over here. You might have had your few years around, but yeah, it's time for us to remind who is the biggest club in Manchester. Uh, yeah, for those who don't know, our new CEO is Omar Barada. He was the chief operating officer at Manchester City. Uh, so some people have asked, why would he leave City? You know, a winning club going well. Why would he leave them for us? But it is a big promotion. It is a big step up to go from COO, chief operating officer, to CEO. It's a big promotion for him. So that's obviously why he's gone for this job. Uh, you know, previously, he's like at least one or two levels below the CEO. But from what I understand, he was the kind of right-hand man of, um, I think his name is Soriano at Manchester City, who is the city CEO and has been involved in a lot of things going on there in the last few years. Uh, he's a, born in France of kind of Moroccan origin, but lived and studied in USA, so speaks fluent English, French. And also Spanish. He worked for Barcelona for seven years on the kind of sponsorship marketing side. And then he's been at Man City for more than a decade now, basically. Uh, so, yeah, look, we have to wait and see. But, yeah, I know you said on the last podcast that you were hopeful and you were kind of looking forward and quite positive about the things that were happening around the club with the ownership side. Yeah. Uh, and I, I wouldn't, the, the, the big takeaway for me for this is, is, is that uh, Ratcliffe is in already and making decisions already. Um, even if he's not in, like, officially, he clearly is just making... Uh, things are happening right now and he's making decisions right now, which is good. Um, the sooner the better. Um, it would have been annoying to wait till Feb to big changes. So that's good. Um, getting a guy in who's got experience in actual football clubs is good. That already puts him a step ahead of Woodward and Murtaugh, who, let's be honest with you, there is, I... I, I to be fair, I said this about Murta though. I said there's no way he could do a, as bad a job as Ed Woodward, and he probably did just as bad a job as Ed Woodward. So, um, but genuinely, I don't think this guy can do as bad a job as either of those two. Um, yeah, Arnold, yeah, though. Not... yeah, Arnold was the CEO. Arnold, yeah. Sorry, Murtaugh. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. We've still got Murta. He's still around. Oh, he'll be moment. he'll be gone though. He'll be gone <laughs> soon as well. Um, but yeah, Arnold. You know, these these characters who just kind of scrounged their way into the, these jobs without actually having this guy's put in the hard yards you know yeah it's a, yeah he's not been ceo ceo before but ceo the, the next job up from ceo is ceo so makes sense as a promotion standpoint nice to get one over city as well um so yeah i'm happy with the appointment yeah i mean he's probably not going to actually start in this job until the summer because he'll have a kind of gardening lead period and United haven't actually announced when he will start, so I think it's something that's still being negotiated. Uh, and I don't know if it's between City and United. If might they pay some compensation and it can start earlier, I don't know. But I think he will not start until the summer. But again, but yeah, it'd, be one, the, the it'd be one of those things where, like you said, you know, when you know he's starting in the summer, he'll probably mm. still be calling shots before then. You know, there's always ways around these things. Yeah, no, and look, as I said, as I'd had a look specifically at his background, and he was originally he worked in at Barcelona and Manchester City more on the sponsorship side, more on the kind of marketing and commercial side, but 
since in 2020, he had a big job change when he actually became chief operating officer specifically of the footballing side at Manchester City. And from what I understand, since then, he's been very involved in contract negotiations, uh, also on like the transfer side. I read an article where it said he was on the plane when things were going out to talk to Eric Harland and things like that about the Alfinger Harland over there. Uh, You've got his name wrong twice there. Talking about his dad, Uh, yeah. uh, (laughs) Alfinger Harland. Eric Eric Harland and Alfinger Harland. Uh, (laughs) Eric Harland is the other brother we need to go after afterwards, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, look, he was involved in these transfers. So yeah, even though his background is on the commercial side for the past three to four years, he has been very much involved in the footballing side of the club. And I've always said, yeah, that's what we lack. We lack people with more footballing background. We lack bringing in people who are the best in class, who've been doing good things at other clubs. You know, as you say, Woodward, Arnold, all they were for us were internal hires. Their first jobs in football were Mm. in Manchester United in the accounting side, and they just basically worked their way up within Manchester United. They'd never worked anywhere else. They'd never done anything footballing-wise anywhere else. Uh, So, yeah, it's just rearranging kind of the chairs within the club, whereas this is bringing in new ideas, bringing in somebody else from the outside. And hopefully, yeah, he's going to bring in expertise of what's been happening at more successful places than us in recent years. And I think it's good that the club is starting at the top because then he's obviously now going to be involved in decision-making over who is going to be, say, the sporting director or director of football or whatever we're going to call it. You know, there has been names thrown out there as well. Um, head of recruitment. I know there's still Paul Mitchell and these kind of names out there, but I don't know if all this is just speculation. I said before, this just becomes like the transfer window because this guy's name, Omar Barada, had not been mentioned by any journalist his name was not in any article until the day it was literally announced he is our CEO. So it just shows you that, especially on this kind of more business side of things, the sports journalists who start trying to report on this stuff have absolutely no idea. Uh, they might have connections into agents and they might get the odd transfer right now and again. But I've always been cynical even about how much of that is of any worth. And I definitely don't give any worth to what they talk about. So say these names came out of the blue. Um, but yeah, happy to leave it to the likes of Ineos to decide who is the best. They're going through processes. They're going, looking at a lot of names. I think the only thing is that all these things are have, going to have to be agreed by the Glazers as well. It's not going to be just an Ineos decision. Um, but yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Uh, and I think you've said it before yourself, Imran, that surely anyone nearly who comes in could do a better job than what we've had for like the past five to ten years. Oh, 100%. 100%. Can't get, we can't get much worse. Uh, but no, I genuinely think it'd be a, like he's got the requisite experience, um, good start at the top. So then he can have a say on who else the rest of the guys will be in the head of scouting, recruitment, CEO, whatever. Uh, not CEO, sorry, sporting director, um, and ultimately manager. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. And for me, that is the main place we've fallen down in recent years is recruitment, uh, transfers. It is the biggest problem. Um, And, you know, we talked about the players who've gone out on transfers, but it is worryingly very quiet on players who might come in. And I think we're expecting virtually nothing. Uh, I think we will bring in somebody. There will be somebody has to come in. Minimum one player. I think we've only got room for one lone player. So it might only be one. Um, 
I don't know. I think it's too early. That is the problem. It's too early for Ineos to be bringing any cash in because officially they're not in place yet. So this window, I don't think they're going to have that much impact on. But the only player I see any kind of solid rumours on, and I went to I went to Jamie, who's our chief transfer muppet, and he mentioned again Eric Chupo Motting, who we mentioned on the last podcast. He's the only one where there's been any kind of solid rumours about uh, Bayern Munich kind of journeyman. He's 34 now. He would fit our recent transfer kind of model of bringing in over the hill strikers. You know, he'd fit very well with the whole list of them we've had, whether it was Igalo, Cavani, Ronaldo. Latan, he fits right in with that list. I mean, he's not an exciting name, but better than nothing, I guess. I don't know. I think nothing might be better. I, I also think you underestimate just how many lives Anthony Martial has. Uh... <laughs> yeah, we, we can't get rid of him because we haven't got anybody else. Don't 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 underestimate his proponents be our second striker. So yes, I don't. I actually don't think we'll get anyone in. Um, it also speaks to how just barren the striker market is and how little there is out there. Plus, we can't spend any money at all, so it would have to be a loan. And then you're looking at even an even smaller market at that point. So, yeah, if it wasn't Timo Werner, who was terrible for Spurs, by the way, even though he did get an assist, he was absolutely useless for Spurs the other day. So, um, yeah, I think it, I don't think it would be anyone. No, no, uh, we're going to get somebody. There's no way we go to the end of this window without just bringing... Even if we bring Wild Weghorst back, it'll still be... Oh, it. I'd, I'd take Val back. 100% take Val back. Bring him, bring him back. Get get the band back together. But uh, no, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I, I just don't see it. They'd be, I think there'd be more noise. Because no, also, yeah, I didn't actually... I didn't mention him because he's way down the list, but we have also sent out Joe Hugill who is our kind of academy striker and has been on the bench for a few games this season. He hasn't got on the pitch because he's nowhere near ready for first-team football, so I don't have an issue with him going out on loan. And I can't even remember where he's gone now, but I think somewhere in League One or the Championship. Um, but yeah, he's gone out on loan, so I can't believe that with Martial injured, we would send out even our one academy youth striker without having an idea of that we're bringing in somebody, somebody just to even warm that bench. You know, I still remember when Odia Nagalo came in and everybody went crazy about it, but even that that is exactly... Eric Chupamotting is straight from that kind of Mulder player, uh, 34 years old. He's been at Paris. He's been at Bayern Munich. He doesn't play that much. He's like a squad player for them. But yeah, just to, for emergency situation, we need somebody. Um, and yeah, somebody will come in. I'm, I'm confident. We'll see who it is and we'll see how crazy all our fans go once we realise which player we bought in from China or Saudi Arabia or whatever it is. But somebody will come in by the end of this window. And yeah, the window closed is on the 1st of February so we have still got 10 days or so to work something out so yeah we will see but yeah we'll take another break there and come back for part 3 of the podcast Mother's Day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones Blue Nile has something she'll adore need it fast? most items can ship overnight plus enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back for the last part of the show. So, yeah, Imran is not hopeful of us getting anyone in on this transfer window. I think we'll have to bring in somebody just because we're just so low on numbers and especially up front, uh, you know, if once Hoyland gets injured. Mar- I actually don't know what's happened to Martial. You said he's got that many lives. They kind of, about a month ago, they said he was ill. But everybody else who was ill has come back, but he's apparently still ill. Um, he's, got an al- he's having an allergic reaction to football, I think. <laughs> I think the club do want to get rid of him. I think there had been some kind of offer, but he wants to sit it out. His contract is up in the summer. Um, There was a couple of other players, Varane, Casemiro. There'd been a lot of links. People had thought that Eric Ten Hag had fallen out with these two players. Uh, Two months ago, everybody said Varane, Casemiro going to Saudi Arabia in January. But all that has gone very quiet. I don't think either of them are leaving because, again, we need them. We need them. And because if they left, we, we were... We, we have nobody to replace them. So, yeah, I don't think we can be getting rid of either of them until this summer. And I think all those rumours of fallouts and all were not true. I think just literally Varane was just out of favour because uh, Harry Maguire was preferred at the time. But, yeah, he's come back in and done pretty well. So, yeah, I, I we, we need these players. It, you know, if Saudi, somebody from Saudi came in and said, oh, we'll give you 20 million for Rafael Varane, I'd take it. But then you go, who, who's going to play? You know, Willy Kambawala, that's what you're down to after that. So, yeah, I, I don't think we could I, be losing. I guess now... Now we're out of Europe, it's a bit better because I think we don't have a lot of games left, to be honest with you. We've got FA Cup and League, so you could probably do without one. If the idea is Maguire's back soon, and Maguire, whilst injured now, generally isn't injury-prone, generally. Um, and you could get by with Maguire. And Evans has been pretty reliable. So yeah, if a big offer for Varane came in, I would probably take it. Uh, but I don't think it will come in. No, it won't. And yeah, look, for ageing players like that, it would make sense to cash in on them now because we're going to get nothing mm. for them soon. And I'm sure Ineos are looking at things like that where, you know, we've paid too much money for players toward the end of their career and then it just ends up being dead cash where you're never going to recoup anything. Um, <clears throat> the other thing that's going on at the moment is AFCON. Uh, I was actually out in Morocco for some work and saw one of the matches there. Always good to get a bit of AFCON atmosphere in person. Uh, Sofian Amrabat, has played a couple of games for them and looked pretty decent. Uh, I hope he has a good tournament, comes back. Onana, of course, was controversial, missed the first game to play for us against Spurs, flew out, played for them, and, yeah, there's a video going round where he's not covered himself in glory at all as Cameroon went down. And he might actually be back if Cameroon don't get a result in their last game. Unlikely, uh, because their last game is, I want to say, against Gabon. Or Gambia. Um, either way, it's the worst team in their group, and if they win, they're pretty much certain to be through. Um, Gambia is against Gambia. It's Gambia tomorrow. So yeah, if they lost, then he would come home. But I can't see them losing against Gambia, so I think he will stay. I hope he does. I really want to see what. Bayern, I want to see how terrible Bayendia is. He must be the worst goalkeeper in the entire world. He must be. He must be so bad at goalkeeping. I'm. I'm. I'm dying to see it. 
No, I really want to see him as well. I, I can't even believe that he hasn't already had a game. Like, you know, earlier in the, the season, worst I remember when... in the world. That's why. He's genuine. I don't think it gets worse than Ben. I don't think he has hands. <laughs> now, listen, uh, the guy gets a game now and again for the Turkish national team. And Turkey are pretty good at the moment. That's his twin brother. Uh, that's his like... twin brother. You don't know. You don't know that's his twin brother. <laughs> It is ridiculous that he's not had any games already. It is ridiculous, given Onana's form, that we went so far out of the way to get him to miss games in AFCON. And to be honest, I'm a bit surprised that Cameroon didn't say sod off. Like, you know, get over here. If you want to play in this team, get out here. Like, I'm actually surprised that they even agreed for him to miss a game and then go out there. From You know, he he did then do that thing that he just does too much with a kind of slow motion dive. You know, you have to see this video. And in the end, it wasn't the vital goals. It wasn't really down to him that they lost. They lost. They got beaten quite badly. Um, but he definitely has not covered himself in glory. Uh by India, let's see if he still gets a game. Uh, I actually listened to the Man United official podcast. They did an interview with By India early in the season, and the guy sounds like a great guy. Like I just really liked. He apparently he didn't want to do the interview in English because his English isn't very good, but they kind of forced him to. And I felt slightly sorry for him. And all I could think about throughout the interview was Borat because he just sounded exactly like Sasha Baron Cohen doing Borat, but. The guy sounded like a great guy and he told his life story about how, you know, he was actually like captain of like Fenerbahce at age 22 or something like that. Uh, Plays for Turkey. He cannot be such a terrible goalie. He must get a shot. I want to see him get a game. I'm going to be so disappointed if 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 Onana comes back and we have not seen any of Bayindi. Like, it's like one of the main things that need to happen in these next couple of weeks. Listen, I will not rule out the fact that Cameroon beat Gambia and Onana flies home just for this game because he cannot miss. <laughs> he cannot miss Newport County. Cannot miss it. Ah, the big game out in Wales. Uh, I don't know if yeah. you've been watching any of AFCON. I know you have a African family connection down to South Africa, right? Uh, yeah, we won 4-0 I, not... yesterday. South Africa, 4-0. Big, biggest win of the tournament so far. Um, they lost the first game uh, 2-0. But they missed a penalty in that one. But um, yeah, not not a great team, South Africa. But with four 0 win, they might actually qualify out of the group, which would be a a big bonus. Um, but I've been watching a bits of it. I enjoy Afcon. It's just a, it's a it's a fun little tournament that's a bit mad and kind of you know big teams, small teams. They all go out. There. It's you know like you can get like Morocco drew the last game one all. Um, yeah, and Morocco yeah. like them and Senegal are easily the best two teams there. Um, and yeah, so you can get you, odd results get thrown up, uh, mad goals get scored, Bebe scores from 45 yards. Um, yeah, that was brilliant. I don't know if anybody's seen that. Everybody must remember Bebe, where everybody talked about, you know, Alex Ferguson picking this homeless guy from the streets of Portugal. It wasn't actually like that, but that was the way it was kind of portrayed by the media. But yeah, never worked out for him at United. But he has gone on to have a semi-solid career. And uh, turns out now for Cape Verde, who are the smallest team in AFCON, but are like surprising many and smashes in a 45-yard free kick. I mean, big question. Question marks over the goalie for that one as well. But <laughs> still. Slightly more than big question marks, I would say. The largest question mark you can ever see over the goalie. But the fact they hit a ball really, really hard from 45 yards on target was still fairly impressive. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a good tournament. Um, 
No, no, I, I love AFCON. It's crazy. And uh, uh, yeah, say, I, Morocco are my team. I spend a fair bit of time out in Morocco for work reasons. And as I said, I did catch one match while I was out there. Always a great atmosphere with the locals there. And yeah, it was a bit of a surprise. They had a 1-1 draw with Congo. But Congo are actually pretty decent. And as you say, there's always crazy things that happen at Congo in AFCON. And at the end of that game, and I still don't know why exactly, but the Moroccan manager, Walid Regraoui, basically had a massive argument with the captain of Congo and Bemba. And this carried on into the tunnel. You see the Moroccan goalie, Bono, trying to pull back one of the players who's rushing in there to have a fight with somebody. And it's one of these where the camera's just showing the outside of the tunnel and you don't see what's happening inside. But yeah, it's another thing worth checking out on the old Twitter feed. But yeah, AFCON always keeps things interesting. Uh, and yeah, we do have two players out there. So yeah, we'll keep a look on what's going on while that keeps happening. Um, but yeah, our match is coming up. Newport County this weekend. First time in our history we're playing Newport. Uh, on paper, they are a worse team than Wigan, who we beat in the last round. Wigan are kind of middling League One. Newport are in League Two. And yeah, obviously it's great for them that we're going out there. I think they've had like the biggest week in their history because they just played Wrexham, who are obviously the whole like Disney Hollywood thing at the moment. And then you've got a game against Man United. Uh, They beat Wrexham as well, 1-0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so they're actually in like decent form for them. Uh, Like you, I applied for a ticket for this. I would have loved to go because yeah, any time you get these uh, away allocations at these small random grounds it's always a great great kind of day out but I did not get a ticket so I'll be not be going either um I hope some, you know, we see Casemiro come back in. It is a good chance to maybe give players who are coming back from injury some minutes because you just expect it's the perfect time for anyone who needs minutes to come back in and have a game. So I would expect to see Martinez, Casemiro, maybe Shaw, any of these kind of players. It's the absolute perfect game to give players a bit of game time to get back to fitness before our Premier League game, which is Wolves kind of then midweek after that. Uh yeah, t- test out their injuries and get a, give, give them a good kick on the shins, and we'll see how they're doing. Um, no, it's a good. Uh, you'd imagine we'll go. F- there's no reason to not go full strength, so we'll probably go full strength. I mean, it is the only tournament we can win, so I can see us yeah going full strength and probably winning. Question: If we lost this game, would you sack Ten Hag the next day? At the moment, I wouldn't sack Eric Ten Hag. Uh, I'm more or less saying... Even if we, even if we lost to Newport County? Uh, I don't I'd, I'd, I'd then be... I'd, I, well, look, I did say on the last podcast that I, I would not be that upset if Eric Ten Hag got sacked. You know, I was upset when Ole no, lost his job. That's not the question. That's not the question. The question is... No, no, I would not The sack, question I would is, not, I, would you sack him the next day? No. I wouldn't sack Eric Ten Hag at the moment just because I think so much stuff needs to be sorted out above him. So the CEO has now been announced. I think we need to get director of football, head of recruitment. We need to get these positions filled. And, you know, semi the rest of our season is not mattering that much. Uh, we could have a cup run. We could still get back into that kind of top four, top five. We're not expecting it. So I don't see what's achieved by sacking the manager. And it's just another headache to deal with. You then have to deal with bringing in an interim manager, fill some, all the players have to deal with that. And just say, listen, let's just leave this season. Unless we end up in proper like relegation form. You know, if we lost like three games in a row and started going towards like the bottom half of the table, then you have no choice. And that is basically what happened with Ole. It reached a point where you just can't accept it anymore. Is Ten Hag 
you know, as Manny, he loses a game, then like he draws one win. Well, he doesn't draw them. It's only win or lose. But it's always up and down. He's never like lost kind of three matches in a row, get absolutely thrashed. And that's at the point where you just go, look, now you're dead. There's no no coming back from this. He always manages to pull out a win from somewhere. Mm. And is it, if it keeps going on like that, I would just leave it till the end of the season. And then I would say, yeah. Your time is up and hopefully we have the rest of the kind of board and football structure in place by then who can then slowly and properly look at bringing in the long-term replacement. I mean, I think it probably is likely that Eric Ten Hag will be replaced just because whenever you have this kind of change of ownership, even if it isn't a change of ownership, but change of kind of control, they do tend to want to bring in their own man. And there is rumours enough out there that a few people have been sounded out. Maybe Sir Jim Ratcliffe, I think, has already met somebody like Potter, who is available. I don't think they're necessarily making any offers, but I think they're just having a chat, seeing what's going on in case things went to the worst case scenario. Uh, but yeah, right now, unless we really ended up on a losing streak of three or four matches, I would give Eric Ten Hag till the end of this season, say, right, look, it's up to you to prove you're worthy going into a new season. And then, yeah, somebody asked this question on the thing. What would I need to say Eric Ten Hag gets another season? He'd have to get close, at least, to like top five and probably some kind of cop run. And then I would maybe consider giving him next season. For you, it's done already, right? You don't want to see him in place next season. Unless we win the FA Cup and finish in the top four, which... uh, and. And not even top five, I'm saying, if we finished in the top four. So therefore, we've actually done better than last season. Then I'd, I'd, even then, I'd probably say cheers, but ta. Um, but at that point, you could say, okay, fair enough, he's probably earned it. Because to, to have done that, we'd have had to go on a, a decent run and we'd have to be playing some decent football towards the end of this season. I just don't see it happening. So that's why I can safely say, yeah. Um, and on that win, look, I can genuinely see our next league, our league fixtures. Um, so we've got Wolves away, loss. West Ham at home, win. Aston Villa away, loss. Luton away, win. Fulham at home. Okay, actually, Luton away and Fulham at home, we could actually win two games in a row. But then we're away at City after that, so, you know. So Luton away and Fulham at home, that's our two, two wins on the bounce we might get there. Yeah, so that's what I mean. Unless we were kind of losing three, four matches in a row. For me, Eric Ten Hag gets to the end of the season and it's up to him to do something, to get a run of results, to prove he is worthy Mm. of going into next year. And that's more or less where I'm at. Uh, As I say, Newport County coming up now. Then it is Wolves. As we record, Wolves are due to play tonight against Brighton. But they've been on a pretty good run. They haven't lost a game since losing to West Ham six games ago. It's been four wins and a draw since then. They're playing Mm. in the FA Cup against West Brom in the middle. And then, yeah, we play them midweek. were they our first game of the season? You know, it was one yes, that we won. They were, we, yeah. we yeah. won, but we were very, very un- unconvincing, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. And yeah, I think Gary O'Neill's done a pretty good job over there at Wolves. They're lacking as well. That um, Huang Hee Chan is out at the Asia Cup. He's been a star of mm-hmm. my fantasy football team this season. And uh, my fantasy team is now in disarray because I've missed all these deadlines at Christmas. I then missed the deadline when all the players went off to AFCON. So my team is still sat there with Salah, with uh, He Chan. And yeah, it's been a total write-off my fantasy football team now because I've just totally missed the deadline. So it's my own fault. But yeah, I'm crying about my fantasy team. How's your fantasy team rolling, Imran? Uh, I did the same thing. Completely uh, forgot about players and stuff. So it's a write-off. 
yeah <clears throat> it's that time of year where these things happen and that was the thing i spent ages thinking about what i was going to do who i was going to replace salah with and then just t- it's those friday night games those friday night games absolutely kill me every time i'm like thinking about my transfers and i'm like yeah i'll do it on saturday morning and then i go and see oh my god there's a match on friday night i don't know whoever came up with friday night football it was the worst idea ever like i'm oh, still terrible i, I just I, it's the worst time worst time you know i just about got used to monday night football and they suddenly throw in friday nighters and just kill me completely every time on the fantasy football mm-hmm. so yeah that is it my uh, fantasy is a write-off <clears throat> um but yeah look i but- think that's well, you haven't given your prediction for Wolves. I think I do think I don't think we'll win. Uh, our away form is poor. Um, Wolves are, like you said, decent side, and yeah, it's it's it feels like one of those. It feels like that Nottingham Forest game where we might score a goal but end up losing and not playing very well. Yeah, look, I'm always hopeful. I think we are. I think we're going to get players back. Martinez is coming back. Casemiro is coming back. Sure. Maguire, all these players are coming back in. Even though I am worried about it, I'm hopeful they'll stay fit. I think that kind of boost that everyone around the club is getting from Sir Jim Ratcliffe and kind of feelings of change should hopefully go through the club. I think it can bring some confidence back to everybody. Uh, even the manager, you know, Eric Ten Hag said he's talked two or three hours with Sir Jim Ratcliffe. He's been at the club talking to the staff. I do know somebody who works at the club who was in that kind of meeting and he said, yeah, you know, everybody came away feeling kind of refreshed. He said, you know, we've all felt like the club was dead. We've all wanted rid of the Glazers. And even though they're not actually gone, it does feel like we're getting a new start and that new things can happen. And I'm hopeful that this kind of feeling moves from off field to the field and that maybe we can have a better second half of the season and Eric Ten Hag still has a chance to save mm-hmm. his job and save this season. Uh, a lot depends on players coming back. For me, our biggest issues have been injuries. So yeah, we are gambling on players coming back, getting into form. But as I say, a couple of them were on the bench. So I'm hopeful once we get them back in, give them a run out against Newport, get Casemiro in, get Martinez in, get Shaw back in. As you say, the front three, Rashford, Hoyland, Garnacho started looking better. And uh, if we can get a settled team for a kind of month or so, I think we can put together a run of fixtures. And you just talked about what those fixtures were. And uh, until City, then I don't see why we should be losing any of these games. And as I say, it's only injuries and players not coming back. That is my major worry. And, uh, and the fact that we're a bit rubbish. That's, that's one of the main reasons why I might lose these games. Yeah, but we're rubbish because we've not had any consistent teams. Players have been injured and, uh, you know, that's why we've been rubbish. So, yeah, that's that's the hope that once we get some players back in, we can put together some kind of run for the second half of this season. Uh, I say it a bit more out of hope than expectation. But, yeah, I'm always hopeful. I'm always hopeful. Uh, we will be back, I think, yeah, after that Wolves game, hopefully, or definitely the game after that. But, yeah, Newport, Wolves, and then, yeah, we'll see when we record after that. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Good night from us. Thank you for listening to United Hour. Remember to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at United underscore Hour. Please take the time to leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. United Hour is brought to you by the Sports Social Network and our theme song is by Ancient Feelings. To get in touch, please email unitedhour at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.